Welcome to Member Maker, a podcast by MemberSpace about how to build a sustainable membership business. I'm Ward Sandler, the co-founder of MemberSpace, and today I'm chatting with Braden Dennis. He's the founder of Stratosphere Investing, and we talk about the importance of growing an email list, understanding your competition to determine pricing, and the challenges of time management while growing a side business with a full-time job. Hey, Braden, how you doing? Hey, Ward. Happy to be on the show. Awesome, man. So let's start with what's your background, both professionally and personally, to give the audience some context about who you are. Yeah, sure. Um, For the most part, um, I'm a new graduate from engineering. Uh, I graduated just a little over a year ago, um, which is completely separate to what Stratosphere Investing is and what it's about. We can get into that. Um, Personally, what I like to do, I like to... Uh, I like to cottage, get up north as much as possible. I'm from Toronto. Get up north, enjoy the lake, um, snowboard, the whole bit, sports. <laughs> very, very cool. So you're, you're an active kind of guy. You're not just sitting behind a computer all day, every day. No, no, no. I'm I'm playing uh, I'm playing hockey and football once a week each. So keep them pretty busy. Awesome. So I uh, want to give folks a little bit of uh, context about what Stratosphere Investing is, just so they have an idea while we're talking about it. Yeah, sure. So Stratosphere Investing um, is a membership type business, uh, obviously, if that's, that's on the show. Um, and what it's really based around is over the last several years, I developed a quantitative model for analyzing in specific Equities traded on the Toronto Stock Exchange for for Canadians. And I realized that this is very useful information um, and that people are paying exuberant fees for money managers, uh, especially here in Canada, paying the highest fees in the world for people to manage their money, um, which is fine. I I don't expect it to be free, but providing very, very little value. so a new wave of investors have come about with what is called DIY investing and taking your own investing portfolio into your own hands. And by doing this, you're eliminating all the fees and probably doing a better job of managing your portfolio because you actually care about it more than someone who has 50 to 100 different clients um, at the minimum or a mutual fund, which you know they they pay exuberant fees on and and really you're not getting a whole lot of value and and here in Canada they're just doing something called just mimicking the bar- the market by closet indexing so i'm trying to bring light to all of these things that the finance industry has gotten away with for you know decades upon decades right so not and i don't want to nerd out too much on the financial stuff cuz some people this might be a little over their head or they just don't care but um i'm just curious cuz i i used to have a financial advisor i'm i'm in the united states um and i realized how much of a fee i was paying and then i switched to using uh something like vanguard which is very very low funds uh, i have my parents using something called betterment which is one of those kind of robo advisors it's also really yeah, yeah, really, yeah. really low fees. So I'm just curious, why is there a particular reason why Canada has the highest fees in the world? Um, to answer that question on why Canada has some of the highest fees in the world, I don't know for sure. I'm talking about a couple like, you know, 0.2% higher than you'd expect in the US, which adds up to an insane amount over a lifetime. But 
I don't know for sure the exact reason why Canadian advisors got have gotten away with the highest fees, but um, like what you're doing and what you're what you said you've got your parents doing is an amazing idea to get market returns in terms of equities um, with extremely low fees, like Vanguard's fees or BlackRock fees are almost free. Like it's right. it's basically almost free. So you're they're, they're, you're providing a, a huge huge benefit to the average person. And- yeah. So I, so then I guess along that line of thinking, um, what is it that Stratosphere is providing to customers that they couldn't get by just doing one of those robo services like a Betterment? Yeah, good question. So um, so do so doing something like Betterment. I mean, and I don't want to get too into the numbers here, but essentially you can pay one-sixth of the fees if you spend 15 minutes a year to get to do what betterment does so what they're doing is they're they're basically automating buying exchange traded index funds for you now you can actually do this on a discount broker if you if you're in canada like quest trade or if you're in the us like robin hood or ally invest and you can do it in a few clicks of a button so anyone with an internet connection can basically drop their fees compared to a betterment or, or other robo advisors um, in 15 minutes a year, essentially. Gotcha. So what made you decide on this business as, as a sort of a membership type business, as opposed to just taking on one-on-one clients, like a lot of financial advisors might do? Yeah, that's a good question, Ward. Um, investing is a very long-term game. Um, anyone that's trying to make a quick buck, perhaps, I literally have told members who have either even paid or on the verge of paying and, and asking me inf- more information about the service that it's just simply not for them because they need to to follow along for a very long period of time. Creating wealth um, by investing in good quality companies or index investing is not something that if you are needing your money within even less than a year or even you know several years, that my service just isn't for you. So I figure how can I capture someone to 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 come along and join this this multi year, potentially multi year decade to to gaining wealth and, and you really using compound interest is being a member of something for a very long time. So I would try to create a bit of a community with all my members in terms of this is something that is going to take a long time. Um, and if it's something that you want just quick information and, and quickly jump out of, then I have lots of free content on the internet, on my website, on stratosphereinvesting.com for those people who, who just want to get something quick. Um, but as for growing wealth long term, a membership makes the most sense for me. Gotcha. Because it sounds like it's not just uh, the financial advice. It's also there's a community aspect, which I will we'll touch on in a second. Um, there's also information you're providing al- along the way. And, and at the end of the day, though, it sounds like the goal of this is to really empower folks that they can be in charge of financial of their own financial situation instead of having to rely on someone like you or, or a financial advisor every time they have a question. Yeah, because every month they are given the information on not only what I am doing, but all of the numbers and the the, qu- the quantitative stuff that we talked about. They get that delivered almost like in a newsletter format, but it's all integrated on my Squarespace, like on my Squarespace website behind the member space um, 
paywall, if you will. Gotcha. So let's talk, let's take a step back and talk a little bit about how you built up an initial audience. So it sounds like you had this as an idea or a concept in your head. So what was sort of step one as far as, okay, I have this as an idea and I want to charge money. How did you get anyone to even know about this? Yeah, sure. I, I guess I had been writing blogs and going and making my own podcast and going on a few other folks' podcast for a little over a year before I realized that that I really wanted to do this. So to answer your question, I always kind of thought that how I would run the business now is is how I would do it. And it's improved and, and changed slightly, obviously, as I went to the execution phase. But it's something that I kind of always wanted to do as I was growing an audience on the podcast or on the blog, trying to rank a little higher on Google as much as possible and, and coming up with an actual strategy to doing that. Um, but it was really around how can I get as many people aware of, of kind of the problem that exists in the financial industry and how can I get as many people to, you know, kind of come over to no, understanding that this is possible and, and joining me, if you will, on uh, a, a long-term game of, of bringing wealth into your investment portfolio. So to summarize, basically you were creating content. So in, in your I was creating content. Exactly. Right. Um, and how frequently were you posting? Not enough. <laughs> uh, I, so I work a full-time job. Um, I'm an engineer. I've worked in the manufacturing and, and power generation industries so far. And, um, really around the hours of six to 11 on weeknights and on the weekend are the times that you need to work on these kinds of things to create content. These are all the, also all the hours that you have to enjoy your life, do the things you want to do. Like I said, I'm playing sports, love the cottage, love the outdoors. So you have to really pick some times to work on those things and post as much as you can. I was posting a, a weekly blog, sometimes bi-weekly blog, bi-weekly podcast, uh, basically not enough. Uh, you need to get those numbers way up, especially if you want to have a social media presence. So these are the kinds of things that I'm working on and, and trying to automate as much as possible. But uh, yeah, nothing, nothing happens overnight, especially when it's just you running the business. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think a lot of people listening, uh, it resonates with them, the idea that you're doing this on the side, that you have a, a full-time job. I think probably most people listening to this uh, do have some kind of full-time job or a part-time job, and they're trying to build a membership business on the side and, and with, with the goal that it will eventually be their full-time job. So it's, it's, I think it's good for people to hear about, you know, that's a bit of a struggle, right? Because you, you, there's never enough time to do everything you want to do and that it requires sacrifice, right? So maybe instead of going uh, and playing sports, you know, five times a week, you only can do it twice. And that just might be part of how it works. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of, and, and, and at the end of the day, um, you can still do all the things you want to do. Um, look at the hours you spend doing things that are kind of just useless and and I have these useless hours everywhere. Trust me. Like uh, I'm still working on on being, you know, that super productive person. It's not as easy. Is it easier said than done? Of course. But kind of evaluate the hours you spend doing things that not, don't necessarily bring you happiness, yet are causing a lot of time. So those are the hours you want to really focus on if you want to grow a side business. <laughs> 
Right. So I assume you, you mean kind of thing like more entertainment type stuff like TV and, th- and video or things like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes I'll come home from work and I'll sit on the couch and scroll on my phone for no reason for a half hour. And I'll just look at the time and be like, what just happened? <laughs> like that was right. completely useless and I feel worse about doing it. So those are the kinds of things you, you dial back and, and, and I'm getting better at it. And, and once you grow your membership business a little bit and realize how much more rewarding it is to spend your time on your side business, that's when you get really motivated and a little, little jump in your step and, and your time really changes because this has to be something you love. Like investing was something that I started nerding out with a lot in university for years um, before I even started my career. And this is, it was basically something that I'm already doing. I'm already making all this, doing all this research, nerding out hard. I'm already writing all these things just because I enjoy it. So I think that's really where a side, I hate the word side hustle, but a side hustle really um, can work for you. If it's something you care about, something you like, and if it's something you're already doing, that's even better. Yeah, I think that all makes a lot of sense to me. And yeah, I call it a side business, right? Because you're right, side hustle is a bit overused. Um, it's a business, right? If you're if you're charging people money and, and they're paying you money, that, that that is the definition of a business. So it's a business. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> exactly. So just to get dive a little bit more into the details there. So you had said you had been creating blog posts, um, a podcast. It sounds like roughly uh, every other week. Obviously, you would like to do it more often, but that's you know you started where you could. So from there, how are you, the audience was being built through an email list, it sounds like, or I would assume. Yeah, I definitely want to touch on the email list because this is the easiest way to automate content, in my opinion. If, if you have been blogging for two years or blogging for six months and you have a lot of written words already down, you can automate an email list so that when someone grabs a free offer, you can give them really, really high quality content and at the bottom of each email say, hey, by the way, does this, does this resonate with you? This is something that I do in my, I'll use my example. This is something that I do already in my own investment portfolio. So especially if you're working a side business, that should be your kind of one KPI to really, really work on growing is your email list because you can automate a ton of content to be delivered that's already been created that you've been working on for X number of months, X number of years. And for those who don't know what a KPI is, that's a key performance indicator. So just a fancy way of saying a number to pay attention to in your business. <laughs> exactly. Um, Sorry, but, keep it simple. No, nah, it's all good. It's all good. So, um, and I, I agree with what you're saying, the idea of repurposing or recycling content you've already done, especially when you're time constrained like you are and like a lot of folks are where this is a side business. There's not, there's not a, you don't have all day to work on this. So the fact that you could create one blog post that becomes obviously a permanent asset on your website that people can access forever. It's helping your SEO. You can uh, tweet about it or put it on any social media you want uh, and you can reuse it as uh, as something you put into an email. So one piece of content can be used in multiple ways. So that's a really good way, in my opinion, to be efficient with your time and, and the stuff you're putting out there. Yeah, exactly. And if you, 
like I don't write long enough blog posts because I've done the whole like SEO research thing. You should be putting out blog posts that are several thousand words, blah, blah, blah. And I try, I try to get that word count up um, and provide, you know, the best content possible. So if you're, if you're creating, you know, big blog posts that you really, really want to rank for certain keywords that are important to your business, you can recycle that into, you know, three or four, five different emails that can be automated that people will get, you know, one day apart, 24 hours apart, whatever, whatever type of uh, automation sequence you want to go with, with the millions of different email services that you can use, um, some of them more expensive than others, you can create an automation cycle that when someone lands on your site um, and you give them that free offer, you're going to be in their inbox for as long as possible. Um, And so you can create a very, very long email automation sequence with all that content you've created and cut it up. Makes a lot of sense. And then, yeah, and cut it up even further as like micro segments for like, for like tweeting, for example. Exactly. Um, so uh, along those lines, so you're, you're building this email list. And, and by the way, who are you using as your email uh, marketing platform? I use a company called SendFox. They're still in beta right now. Um, the reason for it is I love the automation sequence and it's incredibly cheap compared to um, some of the other ones out there, especially if you have a bigger list, the cost can go up. And I, I don't, I'm not saying I have a huge email list. I wish I could say that. But um, essentially, the email automation sequence that they have is amazing. And I personally, I mean, this is just my opinion um, based on being someone who subscribes to newsletters. I don't like flashy pictures when I receive emails. I feel like I'm always being sold something. I like simple text. Um, and, and very easy to understand content. As soon as I see a bunch of photos, especially if you're getting it at work, you'll be getting a bunch of photos that are blocked by your company. Um, and you'll basically just throw it right in the trash. If it looks like you're getting sold something or some, some offer to a brand new pair of shoes from Adidas or, you know, these kind of email marketing. So they have just bare bones, just text type of email um, automation sequences. And that's what I, I personally like that. And that's what I use. Yeah. And there's, there's actually research to back that up as well, as far as, uh, inbox, uh, deliverability and the chance of something being marked as spam. All of those things get worse when you are using non plain text emails. So it actually is the best in terms of deliverability and not being spam when it's plain text. So there is some logic behind that, not just an opinion. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, so regarding the pricing uh, for Stratosphere, how does that work? What, what, what's the current pricing if somebody wants to sign up? Yeah, there are two options to go down basically with either a monthly or an annual subscription. So you're going to get four months for free if you go annual. And there's a 14-day trial on either option. Um, I figure, I know I'm creating a lot of amazing content. I know this is useful for people. So um, the conversion on a free trial is is amazing. So um, monthly, it is $24 a month or hundreds. This is, we're talking about Canadian dollars, by the way, um, and 179 per year. So it works out to being a much better deal if you go annual. Um, And the, the reason I came up with that number 
is looking across the industry, there's something very important with investing called the management expense ratio, aka what is the percentage of fees that you're paying in a year? So I've come up with basically what is um, the average portfolio worth for people who are using their investment accounts and come up with something that's rock bottom in terms of fees uh, when compared to, you know, these mutual fund fees that we, that I was throwing at you earlier in the episode. So comparatively, uh, stratosphere investing or going down this DIY and, and letting me help you show you the tools is an extremely affordable way of, of managing an investment portfolio. And also what's nice about that is when it's a flat amount, right? Whether monthly or annual, it's a flat amount. Whereas with traditionally uh, with even the robo-services robo or with a traditional financial advisor, they're taking a percentage of the portfolio. So as you make more money, they also make more money forever. Um, whereas with you, again, just a fixed, a fixed amount. So that, that would be attractive, I would imagine, to some people. It's definitely attractive, um, especially if you have a, a larger amount of money. I mean, obviously, that management expense ratio is going to go way, way down when you consider $179 on it. You know, $100,000 portfolio, $500,000 portfolio, a million-dollar portfolio. Um, that fee almost becomes least negligible when compared to the 2.5% that is typically paid to money managers in Canada, So uh, that which would be $2,500 on a $100,000 portfolio. So something to consider. Right. So uh, have you always, I know that the business hasn't been been around for a super long time, but have you always been 24 a month, 179 a year, or is that an evolution? I uh, know it, it always has been. Um, I've been in business in terms of a membership business um, for less than a year. So I figure that I will, you know, up the price annually or, or maybe biannually. That's that's gonna, that's still kind of up in the air in terms of strategically what I want to what I want to do with Stratosphere. Um, I think if you're providing a lot of value and you increase your price a little bit, your customers definitely understand that. Um, but we haven't got there yet, so. Maybe when we chat again, we can, we can talk more about that. <laughs> so do you, I guess my question also would be with pushback, right? A lot of people we talk to hear either pushback or they hear, oh, this price is so great. This is so affordable. Thank you. Or, you know, this is really expensive. I can't afford it. Have you heard either of those sides or do people seem generally happy with, with that price point? I've definitely heard both sides of the coin in terms of feedback. Um with the pricing overall, I, I've basically went across some of my competitors because I'm not the only one that does this in, in the finance and equity space online. So I went, I went around and I did basically a survey of my two or three biggest, particularly two um, biggest competitors that I, I won't say are three times the price is the low end. And the other one is, is around four and a half times the price of the annual subscription. So I'm very confident that my price is rock bottom in the industry right now. Um, and, and it really comes down to those super high prices. The math falls apart when, it, when we're talking about that, that uh, number of the management expense ratio, which is very important for investors. So 
I know I'm doing the right thing. And, and when people say that it's a little bit, a little bit expensive, they can't afford the fees. I say no problem. They, they almost always say it's because of their current situation. They're not able to invest right now. So that doesn't make any sense for them, which is completely fair. Um, and, and they want to come back once they get that better job, once they're, you know, if they're a student, once they're making money and, and, and have money to invest, they're ready to come back on the service. Right. So they, they leave uh, on a high note. They don't, they don't leave being angry or feeling like you ripped them off or anything like that. So that's uh, smart. No. Yeah. I've had, I've had a, f- you know, around this year, you know, more than one hand of, of cancellations and there's a, with member space, there's like a reason for cancellation and all of them have been like, thank you so much. This has been so useful. Um, right now, my current situation is a, I just lost my job. B, um, there's this reason X, Y, and Z of why I can't invest right now. Never about the quality or the, or the pricing overall of it being too expensive, more so that it doesn't make sense in their personal situation, which I think is, that's perfectly acceptable. Like developing that relationship with your customers um, is really just a good idea. Yeah, no, I, I think you're definitely on the right track. And that, that's amazing that you've heard that kind of feedback. Like obviously no business is going to have 100% retention of all customers. It just, that can, no matter how perfect everything is, pe- there's life, right? Pe- people lose jobs, like you said, people, uh, you know, personal things happen that, that have absolutely nothing to do with your business. And there's absolutely nothing the business could have done to prevent it. And so cancellations are, 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 are part of this. So if you're hearing that kind of feedback, those are the best kind of cancellations because you couldn't do anything about it anyway. So you're definitely on the right track. Um, question though. So for, for the price point that you have, you said it's, it's the lowest in the, in the industry uh, or at least uh, in your, for your near competitors. Uh, one thing I've, I found is that what, pricing sends a signal uh, aside from, Oh, it's affordable or it's not affordable. It also sends a signal of the quality. So, are you concerned at all that by having the lowest price that people who are kind of looking around at options might be like, okay, it's the cheapest, but maybe it's also the least valuable? Yeah, that's something to consider. And I always find it bold when I'm, these two particular competitors you know, put that price point right on their smack dab in the middle of their website saying how much it costs. I figure that they they do this full time. They have both of these competitors have teams of minimum 10 people each, um, mostly so that they can have eight people write 4,000 word blog posts a day to boost their SEO. Um, but I, I think they figure that um, they provide more, they provide you know, something else. And at the end of the days, I've, I've looked in and I've, I've done and I've dug and it's not true at all. I'm providing very... I think I think it's better. Um, one because competitors are often delivering their service, this newsletter of, of investment information, in a static form. Um, for one way or another, basically, you get something delivered to your inbox that is very static. It's it's not. Uh, it doesn't feel like it's always being updated, or it's not current, or, or this, that, and the other thing. Having a membership business on your website, in this case, Squarespace and Memberspace, it is constantly being tweaked. I'm constantly updating it. It's more of a live uh, rendition of what 
the information is. Um, I think that is in itself is more valuable than the other services on their own. Um, that's just my opinion, but it feels much more um, live, more current. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, it feels it feels more substantial, I guess I would say, right? Because anyone can send an email, even though obviously the value of the email can can vary wildly. But the idea that, okay, I, I, I go to the email and then I go to a website where there's content, maybe there's more graphics, things like that. It, it, I get what you mean. It just feels a bit more substantial. Yeah, and, and I can go in and change stuff and add stuff throughout the month to the newsletter. Like it's not like um, – you know, this month, May 1st rolls around, I, I send it out to my customers, they get some PDF or they get some email. And then it's kind of gone. It's gone for like that. I can't update it. I can't improve on it. I can't mid month provide more information without sending them more stuff. It's more just like this is the link. And it will always be relevant. It'll always be live. And it is something that I constantly keep up to date for my for my members. Awesome. Okay, Braden, uh, let's leave it there. Uh, let folks know how they can learn more about you. Yeah, obviously on stratosphereinvesting.com um, is somewhere to go. If that's too hard to remember, I have another URL that will redirect you there called getstockmarket.com. Again, that's getstockmarket.com. And you can see there, there's lots of ways to contact me, get in touch on my website. Great. Well, thanks for spending time with us. No, thanks for having me, Ward. This episode has been brought to you by MemberSpace, the software that helps you build a membership business on your own website. No developer needed. You can learn more by visiting memberspace.com.